Today we're starting a series of messages called Winning the War in Your Mind. And I'm just curious, it, 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 does, I, I'm here to tell you that, that I, there's a battle that, go, wages, that rages in my mind from time to time. I'm curious, does anyone else have an ongoing war in your mind? Somebody say amen if you do. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but, but so often I battle in my mind between thoughts of faith and thoughts of fear. Anybody, anybody besides me? You know, or, or I, I, I so often want to trust God, and yet I also want to take control. Any, anybody relate with me on that one? Boy, that's a big one in my life. I want to trust God, but I want to somehow get my hand in there and manipulate it and try to make sure God answers it the right way. <laughs> you know, we do that sort of thing. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're like this. Maybe you can walk in one moment and you feel full of spiritual confidence that God is with you and that he's for you and that he's called you. And then in the next moment, you have this crippling insecurity that just paralyzes you and it holds you back. Well, what, what I've discovered over the years of ministry and in my life and walking with the Lord is that, is that the mind is a battlefield and most of life's battles are won or lost in, your, in our minds. See, we, we think about spiritual warfare and a lot of times we think about prayer and intercession and this. That's true. That's a huge part of spiritual warfare. But every time I face temptation, that's spiritual warfare. And that's going on right here between my ears. Isn't that right? Every time I'm faced with a decision to do right or do wrong... I'm in a spiritual battle in that moment. And, and so most of the battles that we face are, are waged in our mind. And the more I've studied scripture and the more I've even looked at, at modern neuroscience, what they would say, most, I, I'm stronger than ever believe that most of, the, of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. The good news is, anybody ready for some good news this morning? The good news is that God's word is powerful. And it's powerful not just to help you with this, but it has the power to transform you and to renew your mind with truth. That's, that, that, today we're going to be looking at uh, uh, talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you want to turn there. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking into the mind of the Apostle Paul as much as we can. In many ways, Paul was, was uh, I guess you could call him the ultimate thought warrior, you know. When you, when you look at his life, you notice early on, we, we see him, he becomes a follower of Jesus. And, then we, and we watch as Jesus renews his mind over time. For example, in Romans 7, you see the battle going on, waging in his mind. He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. How many of you can relate with that? Does that ever happen to you? And he says, the things that I don't want to do... Those are the things I ended up doing and, and the things that I want to do, I just can't seem to, to make myself do it. And he, and, and he would sound crazy to us if, if it weren't for the fact that we all say, yeah, I totally relate with that. And we're going to watch him progress throughout his life in ministry as he learns to wage war against the lies that attack his mind. And we're going to see him capture wrong thoughts and replace them with truth and win the war in his mind. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to start reading in verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Boy, if there's ever a time in history, we need to remember that. <laughs> because the world wants to, the, the battle that's going on in our culture right now, we have to remember we don't wage war the way the world wages war. Verse 4. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, 
They have divine power. Now, the Greek word translated as power is the word dunamis. It means this explosive, miraculous power of God. It was actually the word from which we get our word dynamite. It's explosive. The weapons that we fight with, they have divine power to demolish or to destroy strongholds. Now, we don't use the word stronghold very often in our everyday life, unless you're an evangelical Christian. We use it sometimes, and sometimes we use words without ever thinking about what it means. But in Paul's day, a stronghold, he was talking about a military stronghold. And it was, it was like a fortress. Often it was built in the middle of a city, and that, that fortress might be surrounded by walls, usually sometimes as, as much as 20 feet deep. And that was where uh, military officials might be kept during battle to keep them safe or where prisoners were kept to guard them when the enemy was attacking. And it was a place that was so powerful that had the walls were so thick that it was really, really difficult to overcome. And here's what I want you to know. The devil, our, your, the enemy of your soul, he wants to attack your mind and he wants to create strongholds of deception in your mind. He wants you to believe something that's untrue and something that takes you away from God's calling on your life. What does the devil do? The devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time until you're a prisoner of deception. What, what, what does the devil tell you? He'll tell you things like, well, you just can't trust people. You're never going to succeed in life. You're, you're always going to be broke. You're always, you're always never going to have a, a good marriage. And God doesn't really hear your prayers or God doesn't care about you. you you're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. And over and over and over, these lies that he spews in our minds and he's trying to build a stronghold inside of your mind to keep you from moving forward with God. So how do we battle in our mind? Well, Scripture tells us, verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, and what do we do? With God's help, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The title of today's message, if, you, if you're one that wants titles, it's Demolishing Strongholds. Would you just take a moment and bow your head with me and pray? Father, we just ask right now that by the power of, of your living word and the power of your spirit that you would, you would renew our minds with truth, that you would start that process of renewal and as that you renew our minds, that would begin the process of transformation, that we would be changed, Lord God. Set us free, God, from believing the lies that rob us of joy, that rob us of, of your peace, that rob us of your calling on our lives. And, and God, I'm just asking, may your truth set us free. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, here's what I want you to do as we get ready to get to work. I want you to look at somebody right now. Would you do that? Look at somebody, give them a high five if you can reach them. Give them a high five if you can reach them. And, and, say, and look at them and say, get your mind right. <laughs> get your mind right. I, I, I want everybody to say this out loud. Say, I'm getting my mind right. If you're watching on the live stream, type it in in the chat. Say, I'm getting my mind right. Everybody say it again. I'm getting my mind right. You know, over the years in my life, one of the most consistent prayers I prayed for is, is for God to renew my mind. 
And, and, and it's because Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's not on your screen. We'll, we'll come back to that verse a little bit later. But I read that many, many years ago. And I realized that if I wanted to change my life, if I wanted to be transformed, if I wanted to be something different than what I am today, I realized that I had to change the way I was thinking. Because if I wanted to be transformed, he said, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I love one translation that says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But he says, be transformed. Well, that's great. That's great advice. But how do you do that? He goes on, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Here's the thing. A lot of us over the years, we've said, God, I want to change. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to change. I want to change. I want to change. But we never allow him to renew our mind. And so change never comes. And I realized that that, that that was going on in my life many years ago. And so, and so I, 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 I decided that if I was going to change, I need to change the way I was thinking. So we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I want to share with you some truths from God's word uh, in the next few weeks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. As I've studied the mind, both in scripture and through science, and, and I'm no scientist, trust me, especially not a neuroscientist, but, but here's what I've discovered over the years, my experience from what the Word of God says and what neuroscience tells us. And here's what I've learned. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I mean, we see it all the time, even, even in, in, in the negative sense of it. How many of you have ever known of somebody who came from a very abusive home and they looked at their father and they, and they, they, they saw their father being abusive to their mother and, and their father neglecting their ki- children and being an alcoholic or whatever it might be. And they said to themselves, I'm never going to be like my dad. And yet all their life, they're focusing on their dad and thinking about their dad. And, and what happens? How many of them have you seen become exactly like their dad because our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts those things upon which we dwell those things that we that we think about constantly that's where where our lives are going to go i have said it this way before if i can remember it right uh but 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 uh, uh, where our where our our thoughts go our power flows we we give strength to those things that we think about uh, what we think about tends to come out in our life. And both science and, and scripture agree. In fact, the truth is that many of humanity's mental and emotional issues that people are struggling with today are actually related to wrong and unhealthy thought processes. So many relational issues had to do with the way that we think about our relationships and the way we think about other people. Our, our eating disorders that are so rampant in today's culture, it, it has to do with a wrong thought process. Addictions often do that. Some, some forms of anxiety are actually a result of toxic thinking. That's what science tells us. And God's word says it exactly the same thing. It says it this way in Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, as a person thinks, so is he. What, what do we know? The life we have is often a reflection of the thoughts that we think. What we think so often determines who we become. Where we, what we dwell on in our minds 
determines where we will focus our life. In other words, if I tend to think that I can't do something, then I'll probably never be able to do it. I don't have what it takes. Well, if you think you can't, you probably never. You probably won't even ever try. But if you think you can, that, that God can help you, that you can overcome, then by the grace of God, you probably will. If you dwell on your problems, you know, the world is bad and it's getting worse. Your, your problems, if you think about your problems and dwell on those things all the time, and you think about how bad they are and how big they are, they're probably going to overwhelm you. But instead, if you look for some solutions. If you begin to believe, if you begin to have some faith, you'll find some solutions and you'll see faith arise in your life. If you always feel like you're a victim, then you're always going to become a victim. How many of you know somebody that's, that's you, there's so much of that in our world today, this victim mentality, that it's, that it's, it's like they're not happy unless they're, unless they're somehow being a victim and being victimized by somebody. If instead, instead of believing that you're a victim, if instead you believe that you can overcome by the power of Christ, then you know what? You can begin to overcome because you're putting your faith in Christ to help you become an overcomer. In so many cases, the life that we have is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. And what I want to do today is I want to just encourage you for a moment, just for the next few moments, I want you just to stop right now and think about what you think about. I want you to think about what you think about. We're going to pause and just going to go through our minds. And I'm going, to, I'm going to encourage you to do what I call a thought audit. We're going to think about what we're thinking about. And, and, and we're going to do, audit our thoughts and think about what we're thinking about. So I'm going to show you three categories and try to, and, and to, try to determine where you actually fall on this list. Okay. So the first scale I want you to look at is this. Are you characterized by worry? By anxious thoughts, by panic, by fear, or, or, or would you say that your thoughts are typically characterized by being full of peace? You know, do you tend to wake up and have your mind drift toward fear about what's going to go wrong that day? What could go wrong? I'm, I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about the state of the world and the direction of the world. I'm worried about that our country's out of control. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my, my kids' spiritual uh, outcome. Do you find yourself more characterized by worried thoughts or even if things are bad and complicated and uncertain, do you find yourself casting your cares upon God and recognizing that there is, a, there is a peace that goes beyond all human ability to understand? And, then, and you're recognizing that, that you, you sense His presence and His goodness and you know that His Spirit is with you, even when things aren't the way that you want what would you say if you were honoring your thoughts? Are you more characterized by worry or more characterized by peaceful thoughts? See, if we don't ever take time to look at ourselves, how can we ever find any growth? So ask yourself that question. Just be honest. And, and if, you've, if you've got this, the, the study guide that's even in there, you can see it at the same scale. They're worried and peaceful. Here's the second category. Do, does your mind and do your thoughts drift toward the negative or that do they drift toward the positive you ever known somebody that just no matter what they're gonna just they're just always negative do you wake up and and find yourself 
you know, negative and critical of people and assuming the worst instead of believing the best? Do, do you look at your day and say, oh, oh, this is going to be a hard one today. This is going to be bad. Times are tough. I'm always so busy that there's not enough of me to go around. The world's just going to hell in a handbasket and nobody cares. Or, or do you wake up with positive faith? Again, even if things are difficult, you say, you know what? I know that Christ is with me and he helps me overcome. Things may be difficult in the world. Things may be difficult in my life. But I'm thankful for a God who is working in all things to bring about good to those who are called according to his purpose. And I know that according to scripture, I am more than a conqueror through Christ, through Christ Jesus, my Lord. What would typify your thoughts? Where do you tend to go? So let's look at a third category and ask yourself this. When it comes to what you think about, are your thoughts more worldly toward the things of this world that, that are just temporary? Or do they drift toward eternal things? Your thoughts may be more worldly when, you, when, you have, when, you, when you're just concerned about what you have and, and what you wear and what you look like and how much money you have and how big your house is and, and, and how nice your car is and, or how many people liked your post on Facebook or how many followers you have or, or, or what everybody else thinks about you. Or do your thoughts drift toward the, what's more eternal, recognizing that God has given you this life to steward and he's given you spiritual gifts to use and that what you have been given is actually intended to be invested and given to God and used in his kingdom to make a difference in the lives of people around you. So that when it's all done, when everything else burns away, your life will count eternally. What would you say characterizes your thoughts? And when you look at that, if you look at those and you see, man, I feel like, you know, my thought life is kind of leaning toward the, the, the negative side of things, or maybe it's not, maybe you're doing well in different, some parts, but other parts you're not. When you look at that, we need to remember what, what we think about matters more than we can possibly imagine, because what you dwell on in your mind comes out in your life. No matter what you do, or what you have, or who you know, or what you buy, or where you live, or where you travel. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Why? Because your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. That's why, and I, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about this verse now, but this is, that's why Paul says, Hey, you know, you need to think about certain things. Think about whatever is good. Think about what is lovely. Uh, think about what is pure. And, and, and he, he's, he says, listen, you need to guard your thoughts. And the question I want you to ask yourself is if you looked at this scale and, and you realize that, that you, if your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Or does that cause concern? You know, there have been many, many times in my life in the past when my life, my, my answer to that question would have been, no, I'm not excited about where my thoughts are taking me because if my thoughts were directing my life and I looked specifically at my thoughts, I did not like the direction that they were taking me. They were consumed with negativity and fear and self-doubt and there's this inner dialogue that would often be discouraging and telling me that I'm not good enough and pulling myself down and knocking myself down over and over and over again. And in 
response to those times in my life, the answer has always been for me to say, God, I need your help to renew my mind. I need you to replace all the lies of of the enemy that replay in my mind with your spiritual truth. Over the next few weeks, we're going to go on a journey. We're going to look at at the Apostle Paul, and we're going to ask God to renew our minds with truth. Today, we're going to lay a foundation that we'll build upon in the weeks to come in the weeks to come so that we can win the war in our mind and change our thinking. And in in the process of changing our thinking, God will change our lives. Are you ready for it? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Ready. All right. Two foundational thoughts that we're going to build upon. The first one is this. And this this is your assignment. This is what I want you to do. What I want you to do and this is really to, these two steps that I'm going to give you are to encourage you. Identify the biggest stronghold that is holding you back. You're its prisoner, locked in by its lie. What is the biggest mental stronghold that's holding you back? You, you might think over and over again. You might think to yourself, I'm just not good enough. My, my past is too bad for God to use me. I just can't trust the people around me. Or I'm, it might be something something different, like I'm always going to battle with my weight, or I'm never going to be good with money, or I can never really be close to God, or I'll never have a job that's fulfilling something that I love. All of my relationships are always going to just break down because I just seem to attract psychos, whatever whatever your thought process might be. After, After you identify your negative thoughts, what I want you to do is to understand and embrace the reality that your negative thoughts are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. The reason is because every thought creates, this is what neuroscience tells us, every thought creates a a neurochemical change in your body. When you think a positive thought, what happens? You, You get a surge of a very legal and exciting drug. It's called dopamine. It's legal, it's powerful. Every time your, your brain drops some dopamine, you get this hit, you get this buzz, you get this thrill. This is what you ever hear somebody uh, run, runners talk about when they get to a certain point, they get the runner's high. I've never run long enough to, to get that. You know, I've only experienced the runner's low. I'm an avid non-runner. If you see me running, call 911 because I'm going to need some help because something is chasing me if I'm running. And so... <laughs> Don't stand there wondering what's going on. Run if you see me running. So I've never experienced that, but, but, but that's, that's what it's t- talking about. They, they get to a certain point where their body releases this dopamine and they, they get this buzz. They get this joy from it. You know, or maybe it's someone you like and someone you respect comments in a positive way on your latest Instagram, Instagram post and you get some dopamine. Ooh, that feels good. Or someone looks at you and they say, ooh, girl, your hair looks so good. Dopamine. Or, or Julie calls me and uh, texts me and she says, thinking about you, come home soon. Dopamine. Okay, it's that positive surge, that release in your brain. And, and what's so interesting is that science tells us that the more often you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. Once you think a thought, you're, you're creating neural pathways in your brain. And we have billions upon billions of neural pathways. And the more often we think that thought, the more the connection is there, the stronger that connection is there, and the easier it is to think that thought again. And before long, whatever we have been thinking becomes our default thought. Stronghold. 
Here's the thing. If you believe a lie for long enough, you will start to be impacted as if that lie were true. And you get stuck in a rut. Imagine this. If I walked across my lawn for 100 days in a row in a straight line in the same spot every day for 100 days in a row, what would happen to my lawn? Somebody tell me. Yeah, you'd have a pathway there. You would, you would create a pathway and, and uh, you know, I, I would create this path in my yard. In my mind, if for 100 days straight I think on a lie, I start to believe the lie and I create a neural pathway through my brain. And with God's help, what we're going to do is renew our minds. We're going to stay off the old path. See, if I stay off that path in my lawn for another 100 days, what happens? Well, if the weather's good, what happens? The grass grows back. The, the, the pathway doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but, but when I, and here the same is true. When I stay off that old neural pathway in my brain, what happens? Well, there's more resistance. It's not as easy to think in that way. I forge a new pathway in my brain toward the truth, and the truth ultimately sets me free. This is, this is science, and it's godly because God has created science. All truth is God's truth. Romans 12, 2, I mentioned it earlier. He, Paul said it this way. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We, we, we could even say it like this. Do not be conformed to the wrong ways of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. We're staying off of the destructive negative path and we're creating new paths of truth. Now, I don't know how this is going to play out in your life, but, but maybe your path is this. Maybe you're one that has a, you have a frustrating day at work and you come home and when you get home, the kids are going crazy. Your wife is tied up in a closet and there's a fire in the living room, whatever. I don't know. It's just going crazy. And, and after a long, hard day, you walk in and, and, there's just, and, and that's an extreme. Maybe your kids are just running and being loud. And, and all of a sudden, maybe the old pathway was that you would just yell at your spouse and yell at your kids and tell everybody, come on, get it together. I've had a long, hard day. Calm down. Get where you go to your room. Get out of my sight. Well, you know what? If that's the path that you tend to go down, you need to, you need to capture that thought. You need to bring it into captivity. Make it obedient to Christ. So maybe, maybe you need to count to three or ten or maybe for some of us, 110. And you say a prayer. And you say, Lord, help me. I want to remove, renew my mind. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go be the same person. And instead, you walk a different road. And then you come up and you say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. It's been a difficult day. I just need a moment to decompress. And, and you hug and you change the tone of the conversation by changing the path. Or maybe, maybe you feel bad about yourself. You know, you're, you have these negative thoughts. You just think you're just terrible. And maybe you just don't like yourself very much. And, and when you feel bad about yourself, you're, you're, there's this very direct path to the freezer. And you eat ice cream. And, and, and you eat ice cream to make you feel better. And then in the end, you end up feeling worse because you eat the whole thing. You know what I'm talking about? What you're going to do is you're going to create a new path. Instead of walking to the freezer, you're going to walk to the front yard and take a, a walk around the neighborhood. And you're going to get some exercise. And when you exercise, you get some dopamine and you feel better about yourself and you create a new path. Or when you're bored, what do you do? You pick up your phone 
You know, you scroll through Instagram, you get on TikTok, you scroll through all your friends, and you, you, you look at all your friends on Instagram or on Facebook, and you, and you end up, you hate them because you look at them and you, their life seems better than yours, but, but you forget the fact that that's the fake life that they want to put out to make everybody see, and you think that they're better than you, and they're having this fun in this party, and you're like, why am I not there? Why wasn't I, why wasn't I not invited? Well, I must be such a loser. And so you, instead of that, you, what you might do is create a new path, and instead of picking up your phone when you're bored, instead of getting on Facebook, instead of getting on Instagram, it, 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 put it this way, a lot of Christians, instead of getting on Facebook, need to get on, need to get on their face before God. And so instead, you open up your Bible and you begin to put something different in your brain that renews your mind. That's the key. To think in a different way. To, to, we're going to forge a new path in our brain because the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to travel. See, that's the thing. It is true about the negative thoughts, but it's also true when you begin to replace the, those stronghold thoughts with the truth from the Word of God. At first, it feels forced. At first, it's like, that's not really true. But the more you think those things, the more you dwell on the Word of God, the more you get it into your mind, the easier it is to believe it to be true. And the more you stay off that old path, the more it weakens and the harder to think those, it, it is to think those, those thoughts. So, so that's your assignment. Identify the biggest stronghold that's holding you back. Not just one, just one. You know, we're not going to track all, all 72 or 763 of them, however you might have. You know, I don't know. But, but what we're going to do, we're just going to start with one. That's how you got to do it. Some of us get overwhelmed because they're like, there's so much. Just one. Just start with one. What is that for you? Maybe you, you might battle feeling worthless, feeling like you're just not lovable. That, that's your one. You're, or you, you just, maybe you might wrongly believe that you've, because you've said it for so many days and thousands of days in a row, you just believe I'll never be good enough or I don't deserve anything good or I'll always be broke. Or you say there's the haves and the have-nots and I'm just a have-not. And you feel hopeless and you feel helpless and you feel worthless and you feel like life is pointless. Identify the one stronghold. Name it. Because you cannot defeat what you don't define. Identify that biggest stronghold. And then the exciting part, the second part of your assignment is this. Name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Why does truth matter so much? Jesus said this in John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and what does the truth do? And the truth will set you free. The truth, it sets you free. The lie puts you in spiritual bondage, and, and some of you are living a life based on a lie. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I heard a story told by Craig Groeschel uh, that, that helps illustrate what I'm talking about. When he was a very young pastor, uh, early in the days of, of pastoring the church where he's pastoring, and he, he and his staff used to play a, a game, and you've heard of the game, it's Capture the Flag. And, and they, but they used to play it in a, you know, they were a young man, and it was, for them it was a violent game, you know, and, and people had, got, they, they had lots of injuries, and so they came up with some rules 
for uh, safety. And one of the rules was on capture the flag day when they were doing this, because they would do it throughout their day. I mean, it was just like in the office and everything. It was just kind of a bizarre thing. But, but one of the rules that they had was you couldn't go and attack an enemy's flag until 8 a.m. Well, one day, Craig Groeschel came into his office about 7 a.m., and, and it was capture the flag day. And something just told him that, that something was amiss. He didn't know what it was, but he thought, you know, I'm going to go look in the closet. So that's what he did. And he opened, opened up the closet, and sure enough, Pastor Kevin, one of his staff members, had been waiting in the closet since who knows what time, early in the morning. And he's just in there waiting for 8 o'clock to roll around so he could go and capture Groeschel's flag. You know, you know how young men take silly things way too seriously. You know how we are. Well, I used to be. I'm not a young man anymore. And, uh, but maybe some guys just do that their whole life. Maybe, I don't know. But anyway, so, so he saw him in there, and, and Groeschel immediately just slammed the door and put his foot up against the door, and he grabbed an office chair, and he slammed it under the doorknob to try to, he, he tried to lock him in, but the, but the chair was too short. It didn't fit under the doorknob. So he thought to himself, all is fair in love and war, right? But the chair didn't fit, so, so he just lied. He said, Kevin, you're locked in by a chair. And, and it wasn't true. The, <clears throat> the chair didn't fit, but, but he told him with all the pastoral confidence he could muster, you're locked in and you're going to spend the day locked in this closet. But here's the really funny part. Pastor Kevin never even tried to open the door. He just started whining. Let me out. This is not fair. And Groeschel just sat there and laughed and laughed and laughed because he wasn't locked in, but Kevin never tried to open the door. Well, 8 o'clock rolled around, and Groeschel had a premarital counseling appointment, and he's sitting in his office desk while Kevin was in a closet behind an unlocked door. And in uh, 20 minutes, <clears throat> excuse me, 20 minutes or so later, he heard something in the ceiling tiles above him. <laughs> and, and what had happened, Pastor Kevin had scaled the shelves in the closet and gotten up into the ceiling tiles and he was trying to make his escape. And it was all because he believed a lie that an unlocked door held him prisoner. Listen, some of us right now do not have what God wants us to have. And we are not living the life God wants us to live because we are stuck behind an unlocked door. You'll know the truth that Jesus has set you free. Look at what the Apostle Paul said. Whatever that stronghold is that's keeping you prison in your mind, what do we do? We demolish it. We demolish arguments. And every pretension <clears throat> that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, and here's how we do it. We take captive. We take captive. We are not prisoners to our thoughts. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take our thoughts captive. Whatever it is, we take it captive. Now, here's what I love. That Greek term that's translated as take captive. It's a term... That means, <clears throat> literally, it means to attack with a sword or a spear. I love that because Ephesians 6 tells us 
that we have spiritual armor. What do we have? We have the helmet of salvation. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. We have the shield of faith. We have the belt of truth. We have the shoes prepared with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. But here's the thing. All of those are defensive weapon, weapons, but we have one offensive weapon. Do, do you know what the offensive weapon is? It is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. He says, take captive, and that means you attack with a sword. It's the word of God that sets us free. It's his powerful living word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword, and it cuts away the lies of the enemy. We let God's word take captive any lies that have held us hostage. So what's your stronghold? What's the dominant lie that your spiritual enemy has tried to use to destroy your faith, to kill your relationships, to, to rob you of the intimacy that God wants you to have with him. What's your stronghold? Mine, the, <clears throat> the one that has haunted me since I was a little kid, the lie that I've always believed has, has that, is that I'll never be good enough. I'm never enough. I'll never preach a good enough sermon. I'll never be righteous enough to lead a church. I, if I give my best to the church, then I'm going to fail Julie and I'm going to fail my da daughters. If I bring my best at home, then I'm going to fail in leading the church that God has entrusted to me. And I, I can't live up to your expectations. There's just no way. I mean, I, I can't meet with everybody. I can't deliver. I can't be everything that everybody needs to be. And I can't get it all done. I am not enough. And the challenge with that lie, like it is with so many of them, is that there's some element of truth in it. I mean, there's some truth which makes it easy to believe because of my sinfulness, because of my limitations, there is a lot of me that will never be enough. But here's the good news. Thankfully, I don't have to rely only on what's inside of me. I don't have to only rely on what I have. I don't have to rely just on my strength. There is a power that's in me that is greater than me, that is absolutely and completely more than enough. So here's the truth that sets me free. Maybe this is one of the truths you'll need. It's from the word of God. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I'm going to personalize that. God's divine power has given me everything I need to do whatever he wants me to do. He's given me the time to do what he's called me to do. He's given me the strength to do what he's called me to do. When I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in me. I have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. His power is there for me when I don't have what it takes. He has given me everything I need for life and for godliness. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. What's the driving lie that has held you back? That's question number one. Question number two, what is the truth? that will set you free. 
Some of you means you're going to have to get into the Word. You're going to have to break into your concordance and, and begin to find Scripture and find things that address those areas uh, that, that of your life where the lie has held you back. But you need to do that. And then you, be, you need to begin to memorize those verses so that when that lie comes, instead of succumbing to that, instead of staying behind an unlocked door and letting that lie control your life, instead of that, you begin to quote the Word of God in your mind. You begin to say, no. No, 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 no. This is what God's word says. This is the truth of God that I need in my life right now. Maybe you think you just can't make it. You feel like your strength is gone and you just can't hold on any longer. The truth for you is that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness and his strength is enough for me when I'm weak. Maybe you feel like you're never going to be attractive enough. You don't like the way you look. No, 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 no. The word of God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the grace of God and that he has given you gifts to make a difference in this world. Maybe you feel like you're always going to be miserable. You're always going to be depressed. But the truth that will set you free is knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The moment the, the lie tells you that you're always going to be alone, you say, no, 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 no. God is with me. He's promised to never leave me. He's never going to forsake me. But, oh, but, but you're just going to be nothing but a victim. No, 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 no. God's word tells me that I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, my Lord. I am not who others say that I am. I'm not even who my, the lies in my own mind say that I am. I am who God says I am. You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Your life in so many ways is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. What you dwell on in your mind comes out in your life. And you cannot have a positive faith-filled life when you have a negative, fear-filled mind. So what are we going to do? We're going to capture those lies. We're going to name it. And we're going to replace it with the truth. By the power of God, you are not, in the name of Jesus, going to stay locked Behind, in a, behind a prison door that has already been locked because Jesus holds the key that, sets, that already sets you free. You will know the truth. And here's the thing. Truth is not just a concept. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus. He will set you free. He will set you free. But bow your head. So Father, today... We ask by the power of your word and by the, through the anointing of your spirit that you would renew our minds with truth. This morning, there, there may be those here today that are here in this place or maybe you're watching on the live stream and you would say, you know what, I need God's help. There's a war going on in my mind. I want to I name that, that one stronghold and I want God's truth to set me free. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand up right where you are so I can pray for you? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around. Yes, all over the place. Maybe you're on the live stream. You just need to type in, I, I need his truth. I need his truth. Just type that in. Father, I pray right now that you would begin a work of renewing, in a, a, a renewing of our minds.
And God, in the, in the same way, we know that it, it may have taken years and years to have this lie ingrained in our minds. We recognize it may take some time for you to renew our minds. But God, we just ask that you'd give us the faith to walk this journey with you, to, to stay off the old path of lies and destruction. And, and God, that you would create new paths of truth. Renew our minds, God. And I pray, Lord, that over the next few weeks, as we look at your word and as we discuss in our connect groups, and Lord, that, that you would just use your body and you would use your word by the, through the anointing of your spirit to help renew our minds, change our thinking, God, and thereby change our lives. And you just keep praying for a moment. Because I, I don't know, maybe there's some here that are watching the live stream maybe that perhaps the biggest lie that you've, that's impacting your life right now is the distorted view of God. You've thought that he's angry at you. He's mad at you. He could never love you after all that you've done or you, you're just used up goods. You've just been too bad. Let, let me try to replace those lies with truth. Let me tell you about who God is and how he sees you. Our God is a loving father, a loving heavenly father. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. And, and even if you've done some really shameful thing, you need to, things in your life, you need to know that there's nothing that you could do or have ever done you could possibly do that would make God love you any less. In, in the same way, that there's nothing, even if you're trying to do your best to be, live a perfect life, there's nothing you can do to make God love you even anymore. He simply loves you. And he loves you so much that he became like you in the person of his son, Jesus. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the son of God. He was perfect in every way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. And, and, and if you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. You know, Jesus, Jesus hung around sinners, really, really pathetic people. And he loved them. And he gave his life as a perfect gift, innocent sacrifice. And God raised him from the dead so that all of our sins could be forgiven. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God loves you. No, no matter what you've done, he loves you. And he wants you to know that love. Not just know it mentally, but he wants you to experience his love. And if you're here today or if you're watching the live stream and you feel distant from God, maybe you've, you know you're not right with God. Today, you know what, guess what? You can start a new path. And that path is directly to God. And in one prayer, you can have access to a relationship with God and it opens up the doorway to heaven. And, and it, it's, it's getting off that old path, that old sinful path. And we're going to turn toward Jesus and surrender our lives to him. And he'll forgive every sin you've ever committed. And he's going to open up the, the door to heaven. He's going to show you his love. And he's going to make you completely new. If there's anybody here today or on the live stream and say, I want, to, I want to get off my old path. I need his love. I'm, I'm not living for Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I want his grace. And today I'm repenting of my sinfulness. I'm turning toward Jesus. And, and by faith, I'm giving it all to him. And those of you who would say yes, 
I want his forgiveness. Today, I want to surrender my life to, to Jesus. If that's your prayer, you just lift your hand up or, or on, on, on the live stream, you can just type in, I, I, I want Jesus, I need Jesus, whatever you want to do. Everybody just pray this prayer. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, pray it out nice and loud to give, give encouragement to those that may be around you. Heavenly Father, forgive all of my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner to you and I need Jesus to save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and renew my mind with your truth. Renew my mind so I can follow you and I can live for you. In all I do, my life is not my own anymore. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.